Well, uh, safe to say, the final uh, We've Solved Nothing podcast of th- 2018. But you got to admit, maybe the best location? We'd, well, the Palliser. I guess the last one was at the Palliser, right? Yeah, well, well, we did one in my backyard. Your backyard's nice. <laughs> Your backyard is nice. I, I won't. Uh, but this, this is kind of cool. This is neat. Hey, little. So for those of you, yeah, listening, we're at the Saddle Dome. Uh, we're looking out to the north. You can see the Calgary Tower, and then uh, we, you know, to, just to the left, we have the inside view to the the dome and the yeah. ice. Yeah. Game tonight against Tampa Bay. Now you dated it. Oh, right? sorry. So you people yes, are listening. Yes, yes. It was the greatest game ever. <laughs> it didn't live up to billing. All right, we covered our bases. <laughs> Sorry, no, sorry. it's all good. I'm, I'm, yeah, this is not my regular gig here. I'm not. No, uh, no, no, no. This is nobody's regular gig. It's a <laughs> podcast. Um, 2018 has been very, in totality, has been very interesting. I would say locally, nationally, and and internationally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said to you off the air. One of the things that I, I think, you know, when you predict and look into the future, you do leave yourself open. Like, hmm. oh, my gosh. I, I remember, this is a true story, when I was on the radio, you watch out, 3D technology on TV is going <laughs> to change everything. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to go to the Madison Square Garden Theater. I want to say this was 2009, and they were showing the Islanders and Rangers hmm. in 3D. It was kind of a test project. So we, we got our 3D glasses. We sat in with 3,000 Islander Ranger fans and watched this game in 3D. And, <laughs> wow, I'm here to tell you, this is going to take over the world. It's going to revolutionize everything. This is, we're going to watch everything in 3D. So predicting the future can be a little bit of a tricky and sometimes yeah. unfulfilling. But I just want to go back and, and talk about a podcast we did this past, I believe it was this past summer, um, talking about two vices and the impact that they could have on sport. And, and boy, one for sure, and I think one is coming like a hurricane. Yeah. So yeah. So if I recall, the two were gambling yep. and marijuana. Yep. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I I certainly think the gambling one uh, has had an interesting impact that we perhaps have not fully seen the, as Canadians the, or as sports fans. Well, I think I think both. Um, so I don't think from a Canadian context, it's had the same impact that not it yet. has down south. Um, I suspect that it, well, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see just because of the federal and the provincial mm-hmm. government uh, implications as it relates to the gambling side of things. However, I think we're seeing it on sport. Mm-hmm. The marijuana one, um, I don't think we've fully seen the impacts that that's going to have either um, in sport. Uh, but you're, you're, we're of like vintage. And I, I just, I look at, I can't help but look at it and go, they're, they're possibly going to fill the void that has been left since players and DeMaurier were, you know, kind of legislated yeah, yeah. out of sport. Um, and really, that both, I think, gambling and marijuana come back to the sponsorship component. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what level of sport you're looking for. There's a need and always a desire to gain sponsorship. Yeah. Well, and I think you're seeing patches. I think you're seeing... I think you're seeing sports teams already affiliate themselves with casinos uh, down in the States, whether it's the patches on the jerseys or official sponsor status. Um, we've got one pro team already in Las Vegas. And, you know, it was, it was 10 years ago when uh, league conveners were saying over no. my dead body yep, that we absolutely. would have a sports franchise in Vegas. We've got 
you know, one coming next year with the Raiders. Uh, there are the maybe rumors maybe of an NBA team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, rumors that I think it's the Phoenix Suns are looking at Vegas right now as a possible relocation. Okay, but that's got to be an arena play, doesn't it? That well, one? Maybe. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, but... Maybe there's also, but it's viable. Yeah, and right? maybe maybe there's and and the gambling side of it has made the arena play possible. Yes, um, in a Vegas context. Yes. So going from none to possibly three out of four mm-hmm. uh, within a couple of years is a rather remarkable change. I would suggest. I'm going to table the cannabis for a bit okay. because I find the gambling one to be such a an intricate and and dare I say a can of worms, because there's the one thing about you and I. Well, let's go lay a wager. But I think what nobody, nobody's talking about, but what I think the bigger impact is going to be, is how the games are consumed and the information that's given. Because the first couple of deals done out of the gate between Major League Sports and I believe it was so uh, um, uh, MGM Grand, uh, the Casino Corporation, was about information. Right. It was proprietary. It was analytics. Right. It was statistics. And we have gone in such a shift in the last five mm-hmm. to ten years mm-hmm. in number-based and how we d- disseminate the information. Well, we may not have gambling here like they do in the States, in Canada. We're going to be the benefactors of all that information because that information is going to get forced right into the system. Yeah, and just e- even the difference in how that information is protected and what information is protected and how it's protected will will be an interesting transition. And just even think back to that issue where I think it was a staff, uh, an employee of the St. Louis Cardinals who was charged and mm-hmm. jailed right. uh, for hacking into the Houston, Houston. Astros yep. uh, database yep. um, and using proprietary information on their drafts uh, for, their, for their own gain. And so how teams protect their information, whether or not they're able to, whether it becomes free of information and privacy, uh, jurisdiction, and then the gambling side of it and the implications for that, I think will be an interesting story that we haven't told yet. What we haven't yet seen mm. since gambling was, I want to say, reintroduced right. into the, the sport kind of uh, conversation discourse are accusations of it impacting outcomes of games. Very little. Um, I have not seen that yet, and I, I thought that that would have happened. Uh, by now. Isn't that interesting? Because it was only a couple of years ago we had the scandal in the NBA Mm -hmm. with uh, an official there, right? Mm -hmm. Tim Donnie. That's right. Right. And boy, there was a lot of, what would we call them? I I don't want to, let's just call conservative type people stand up and go, you know, shake their finger and go, yeah, Yeah. you can't have that. See, we told you, this is why we need to keep them separated. Mm But it's been an, it's almost been an afterthought, hasn't it, since this all became a reality? And I think that absence is an interesting uh, reality in that there has been no accusation of, oh, you know, the, that field goal kicker. Again, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so you know that. And the fact that our <laughs> field, goal, field goal kicker Ooh. seems to be having a rotten year. Um, you know, there, there's been no accusation of, oh, you know, is he on the take? Or is this an accusation? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, got to, that's got to be the only explanation. Um, but there has been none of that that, yeah. I've, that I've heard. I've seen no... Uh, accusation. I've seen no innuendo. I've seen no, even just in a sarcastic, uh, comedic way, that athletes or referees or anybody is on the take. And I thought that that would have been the first thing that would have happened when the gambling became more uh, predominant yeah. uh, and more influential from a financial perspective 
in the sport. So I, I think by its absence, that's an interesting reality. Well, it's funny. You know, I said, well, we'll table the cannabis conversation for a second. I, I, I'm not a marijuana guy. I really, I didn't need it, didn't care about it, wasn't that interested in it. Sure, but for, sure. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> eh? Exactly. Sure. Uh, let's go watch Chi Chong movies now, shall we? We'll eat brownies. Uh, th- yeah, that's bad. That's stereotyping. Um, but one of the, I think one of the reasonings behind the legalization was if you legalize it, then you'll take away the black market component. Of it. Right. Is there a... Are we talking about, well, if you legalize sports gambling, oh, wow, the point shaving and all of that, that's going to go away. I, I, I don't believe that. You know, I believe money corrupts, and, and I, I can't – I think there's a blind eye almost to this, don't you? Well, and I don't know – I'm sure it would be difficult to get the evidence and the actual numbers as to whether – I mean, the the estimates as to what the gambling industry was worth and how much money was actually being, you know, uh, how how much was being transacted was was difficult to to pinpoint anyways. It was in the billions. Well, but but, but those are estimates, right? Right. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so, but but even so, if if we now were to compare it, are are we comparing apples to apples? Do we know if the illegal gambling industry has been impacted? Has it gone away? Has that... Those numbers out of New Jersey are staggering. Have you seen the New Jersey numbers? Like, just so far, they're closing in on a billion dollars. Just, you know, and that's months. We're not even talking about a year yet. Right. So if that's... Yeah, so if that's the case, has the... Has the illicit side uh, changed? I, I, I have no idea. Um, and so I, I still think... Might be too early. Well, it, it might be too early. And, you, you know, you could make the argument, I, I think, that by legalizing it in some states, I think we have to remember that it's not legalized across the board yet, mm-hmm. um, but in some states that it's bringing it to the forefront, it's making it more... Uh, accessible and so more people are aware of it and if it may even have increased the illegal side of it i mean i mean who knows there could always be these unintended consequences so i it's i i, I think it's an unknown um yeah. and the impacts we likely won't know for for years no and and the other part of it is i guess you call them prop bets but you know traditional betting was always the over under the point spread yeah. part of the deals that you know, the gambling industry is making with the leagues is, I think, intended for within games, you know, gambling within games. Who, you know, is a lead safe? You know, yep. w- what's the odds of this team coming back and winning? What's the odds of this guy getting a hat trick? Those yep. types of things, because some of the information is, you know, it's, it's on the individual. It's not necessarily on the team. Right. Where are we going to be in five years? What will sports gambling in North America look like? Well, and I think it comes, I mean, I guess it comes back to money. And so sport teams wanting to make sure that they are continuing to engage spectators mm-hmm. to watch the live right. game experience. And I, if, I think I saw Nielsen figures, and I, I can't remember the specific numbers, but it's, if I recall, close to 80% of the most watched events in the last year On cable television? are live, live sporting events. Yeah. So there still is that appetite to watch live sports as the cable companies are increasingly becoming pressured mm-hmm. uh, to keep people subscribing. Mm-hmm. I suspect that the live sports side of things will be their one avenue to do so. And so if the gambling encourages people to continue keeping their cable subscriptions or to continue watching games on right. a live, then I, I think that'll be supported. And so I think the gambling part of it is here to stay and will only continue to increase. So what I want to explore is the core of fandom 
and how this is going to impact the mm. core of fandom. When we grew up, we had very little in terms of information, wins, yeah. losses, goals, yeah. points. We tended to be more character-driven, more, you know, I like him, I don't like yeah. him. Yeah. You know, now I, I think the conversation around sport tends to be, well, he's good in this situation. <laughs> Everybody knows he can't do this or he's very bad. It seems like th th it's less romantic. It's less emotional now to be a sports fan it seems more cold and calculated to me and i wonder if that's good for sports as a whole that is an interesting question and i wonder too if we'll see less fans of teams and more fans of the the statistic Oh, isn't fantasy football? Yeah, so so there's a perfect yeah. example, and it's funny because I that's not my I love watching football. Yeah, um, and I've never I'm a huge football fan, but I've never been a fantasy football uh, participant because yeah. that doesn't interest me. I like watching the game because I enjoy watching the teams play and the sport in and of itself. The actual statistics of the individuals does not interest me, but I realize that I'm in the minority. Well, I shouldn't say I'm in the minority. I, I suspect it's changing. And certainly, you know, the students that I teach, mm -hmm. um, many of them are in multiple fantasy teams and yeah. are talking about who they're going to play and who they're going to bench and who they're going to trade, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so they're interested in the individual and their accomplishments versus whether or not mm -hmm. their team won on, on the weekend or that night. So I think that may change the way that fandom operates. Now, then that has implications for a team like the Calgary Flames. Sure does. So how do they market to an audience that perhaps doesn't have a passionate affinity to a team as opposed to an affinity to the business and to the, the statistics I, of the I, players? I, well, I would go back to John Spolster in the late 80s. I think John Spolster might be showing us the way when he took over the New Jersey Nets, mm. and the Nets had nobody so how are you marketing? When, when has that changed no it has not changed <laughs> briefly they had somebody but you know their owners when your owner's more popular and more significant than your players you got a problem but john spolster's solution was almost heresy at the time which was to advertise the the players coming in right you know come watch michael jordan and the chicago bulls right come and and here we are 30 years later yeah. and i can't help but think that that's a very Five, good point. Five, ten years down the yeah. road, you know, you become less about this. And I hope it's not this way, but could we become less about the city and more about the league? And more about, geez, come watch Alexander Ovechkin. Yes. Come watch, yeah. you know, Connor McDavid or, or, you know, on the road, come watch Johnny Gaudreau. Because Johnny Gaudreau produces on the power play. Right. And, he, you know, he pushes even strength, possession or whatever. Is that where we're headed? I can. I, I would say it's trending that way. Didn't I? I seem to recall a Seinfeld episode where Jerry Seinfeld was mocking uh, fans of sport teams cheering for logos, correct? Uh, and yeah. and colors, and yeah. and that that's yeah. really what what we were cheering for, and how kind of silly that was. So perhaps he was precinct, and you know, imagining that that at some point in time people will recognize that and stop doing it. And be more interested in the individual accomplishments of specific athletes. And, <coughs> excuse me, maybe advertisers start doing that. So uh, Johnny Goudreau's power play goal is going to be brought to you by... Um, the individual goal. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll start seeing advertisers recognizing that people are paying attention to specific statistics. Mm -hmm. And they will start 
trying to align themselves with that, cognizant that people are paying attention to the specific statistics as it relates to the fantasy or the betting, et cetera. I've always believed that, you know, the broadcaster in sport, especially in the NFL, holds the key. If right. they can monetize it, they'll push it forward. And, you know, I, I think fantasy football is the best example is the realization that, you know, we better run the ticker with all mm-hmm. that information. You know, the fact that the NFL said, uh, you've got to give some space in your yep. board to advertise what's going on elsewhere yep. in terms of fantasy. They get it. And I think even look in hockey and, and kind of some of the analytic numbers that are now presented. Buffalo, Buffalo was an early adopter. The, the Sabres ran coursey numbers and everything <laughs> five years ago after periods and, and you know, found sponsors for yep. that. Again, they're the gatekeepers. The NFL seems to have been the driver, certainly from a fantasy uh, perspective, and and the and the over and under and the gambling and you know whether a team goes for the three points or the two points late in the Mm -hmm. game and how that has an effect on the line. And with the advent of, I think there's two, if not three, new leagues. Uh, starting in the states, football wise, yeah, yeah, I think in the spring. I know the yep. the XFL is one, I, I, but it's going to be the second. I think the there's another one online next year. So, so with that with that happening, perhaps those leagues try to differentiate themselves or sep, you know separate themselves from the pack by being more friendly to a fantasy betting audience mm-hmm. and will push the envelope as it relates to information, data, analytics specific to a person who is gambling. And then that would then likely have a, a transference to the other leagues as well. Maybe we'll see it in the CFL too. What about sponsorship? Because it does, you know, it was a big blow to broadcast when uh, bet three, all of those offline, offshore gambling yeah. sites were taken away for a couple of years. Right. Cause, and they, as soon as they legalized again, they, they popped back in. And as we know, this is a business. This is all a business. I mean, both, and you can bring marijuana back into it, although marijuana not yet adopted, but we all know it's coming. I guess that's a Canadian issue, not an American yeah. issue. We'll see what happens with their laws. But I would have to think that at some point we're going to start seeing, you know, marijuana industry sponsorship within sports, right? Well, and that's an interesting one. And if I recall, we talked about that on yeah, our podcast the in the summer. And I think where we, I don't want to say we diverged or, mm-hmm. uh, but because we do not see that with cigarettes still. Um, there was a time when right. there was the DeMaurier Open, and, uh, and you, uh, saw, you saw tobacco sponsors, but you, that has not returned. And so cigarette smoking is still taboo within a mm-hmm. sponsorship category, certainly in, in a North American context. I, so is, does tobacco fall in line with that? Or sorry, does marijuana fall in line with tobacco? Or does it align itself more on the alcohol side? I think it's more on the alcohol side because of it, the different ways it can be consumed. Mm. Right, it does not necessarily need to be consumed the one way. Right, and then how clearly? Oh boy, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but I my, I gather, you know, smoking is doesn't matter what you're smoking is not going to be good for your lungs. I get that, but are we going to make the case that well, nicotine's not as or this isn't as bad as I don't right. know? But there's consumables. There's all different kinds of ways of getting that product, right. and my guess is. You know, I'll whatever you want. I'll suit you. We'll push our gummies, whatever you want. You know, it's a facial cream. Well, exactly. <laughs> There's so many different things. But in an industry that's constant, sports constantly looking for somebody else to invest, somebody yep. else to invest. Yep. I mean, you know, we have a, a a major television network that has been sponsored by the la- for the last two years by a Chinese phone company 
that ha, you know has a very jaundiced eye looking at it right now in North America, right, from a, a security standpoint. But the check's clear, right? Yes, and so suddenly there could be an opening. Uh. <laughs> well, or there could be an opening, yeah. Never thought of that. No, I, and, and legalization just happened. Um, so we're only a we're, few months. Absolutely. We're only a few and, months and into it, it. And it hasn't, it hasn't found its way to sport yet. No. Right. And so, but it is fascinating to think about, it hasn't, it didn't take very long for it mm-hmm. to just be accepted. Right. Um, as, oh, okay. So that's, that's how it is. And now we move on to the next thing. Um, I, I, I think, this is my own personal opinion, yep. that you will see uh, marijuana sponsorship probably more aligned on the alcohol side versus the tobacco side and it not being allowed. I think you'll see it as an accepted uh, product that, yeah, it can certainly sponsor and can certainly be aligned with sport. Now, where that will become interesting is uh, the connection of sport and youth. Um, That's where I was going to go. And so, you know, does a company, do they paint themselves in a corner um, by sponsoring or being sponsored by a marijuana company uh, if there are still people who, who do not regard it as a safe and um, an ethical choice. I, I would have to think that it'll, you know, it'll be regulated like everything else in terms of the advertising component to it. Having said that, I, if I was a second-tier sport in this country looking for sponsorship, i.e. new basketball leagues or yep. the baseball, you know, some of those leagues. That's where I, I'd be opening up and saying oh, we're open for business right now. Because I think it's going to be, I, I, at some point, everybody will find a way to, right. you could be the first on the block. Right, right. And, and, and I, guess, I guess that's where people will take a, roll the dice a little bit mm-hmm. and say this is an opportunity to get in on the ground floor get a good deal on a value investment yep. um, and then be able to say and to, to run it out when it becomes something that we couldn't afford. So the, the Guelph Nighthawks, I think is the name of that new basketball yep. league the team there. Do they align themselves with a grow up in the Guelph marketplace and say, we want to be partners right. today um, and we want this to be a 10 year. We want to buy where all, while it's still a value investment, we're going to lock in um, and we're going to run this through. And, you know, in, in five years, that might have been a fantastic investment on their part. Yep. So my passion is grassroots sports. You have a vested interest in para. Yeah. Is there any impact, any fall? Is there anything that we can see from these two stories of 2018 that we can look and project? And, and I'll start you off. I wonder about where, let's take the game of hockey, for instance. Yeah. Okay. We've already seen just analytics, not the, not the fancy, fancy, but the real stuff that the NHL is about to produce with the puck and all of right. They're going to a different level. Yeah. But just the numbers we produce now, we've already seen the impact in young players that, you know, you've got you to shoot the puck on net because that drives possession and, and right. things. So it's, at junior level, it's sometimes it's difficult to evaluate because an agent's been telling a player, well, you've got to do this one thing. Right. That's an impact. Yeah. How is... What's the impact going to be down the chain, down the feeder system? Or what could it be? Well, okay, so let's start with gambling. I don't think Canadian... I, the, the, I spent a year living in Australia, and I seem to recall that gambling was really part of the ethos there mm-hmm. and very much part Is of the culture. Too, right? 
Yeah, and, and people would say, you know, an Australian would, you know, if two Australians are sitting in a bar and they were, they would bet on which spider can crawl the, sure. you know, the, the wall yep. the fastest. Um, I don't think that's quite the same here in Canada, but perhaps that's because gambling has not been, I want to say, forced upon us, mm-hmm. or but maybe more available to us. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go ten years down the road here, and if gambling is more available, more common, more accepted, and do we then saturate it within a professional sport context? Does it then start to uh, find its way into other? parts of sport and so right. do we start seeing people actually betting on a western hockey league games and then if that becomes saturated do they start betting on the aghl and then do they start betting on high school sports or right. university college sports uh, okay. and and for those who think that's really outlandish and out there they've been betting on college football and basketball for years oh in this, the border oh, right? exactly so this is not exactly you know that's not crazy talk and so, to the best of my knowledge, that has not happened yet. Um, you know, certainly at Mount Royal University, where I am a professor, I, we haven't had the conversation about gambling mm-hmm. on Cougars basketball games. Mm-hmm. But, again, if it becomes saturated in a professional sports market and people are still looking to make a buck somehow and are still wanting to, I don't know, maybe our athletics department says maybe this is a way for us to increase our attendance, to increase our... Uh, position within a Calgary marketplace and right. we're going to be the first to do this where we actually have lines on college basketball games and we're going to promote it and really encourage people to get in on this I could see that happening uh, hmm. I, I could see that taking place and then how does that change how athletes are recruited how yeah. athletes are trained how athletes are encouraged to play uh, a certain a certain way and then could you argue that that continues to go down the food chain or up the food chain, whichever way you want to position it, as it relates to youth sport. It's a possibility. I think the most, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the most reasonable expectation, just staying with gambling for a second, is that gambling changes the sport at the top level, impacts the rules, and that filters yeah. the way down. That just, again, I'll come back to hockey. Let's take basketball for a second. You know what? Basketball gambling takes off because they eliminate the three-point line or they add a four-point line. You, you tell me. But then if they're doing it at the top level, right. then they've got to bring – then eventually it filters all the way right. down to the point where now, you know, it, it, at high school we're teaching players to take four-point shots, you know, and we're getting away from the skills of the game. That, yeah. Isn't that probably the most reasonable expectation of impact of these? Yeah, I think the style of play, if it's being rewarded – through a gambling betting context, I think that certainly has an impact. Yeah. Um, the way coaches may coach, uh, you know, insofar as yeah. um, knowing what the line is, uh, knowing what the over-under is, knowing um, perhaps that people have parlays on different players and what they will or won't do and whether they'll sit a player or not sit a player. Uh, so I think an impact on coaching. Uh, I think an impact on how people consume it. Um, and wh- how they pay attention to it mm-hmm. uh, could change. Yeah, I, I think. I, I but I, you're probably right. It would probably be the the players' actions and what it is that they what what it is they want to focus on. You know, when as, as Steph Curry got better, right? I mean, every player, sure. you know, in the high school level wanted to be the next Steph Curry and and, and drain the threes. Right. Um, well, that was the old. Um, you know, what they, they blamed the dream team on, or uh, sorry, about the dream team, the first original dream team was all about 
you know, slam dunks, and that was ESPN showing highlights. And then we got to a point where American basketball players couldn't do the fundamentals because they were so <laughs> used to fast breaks and, and right. things that got you on. Baseball, the same thing. Right. This it, All of a sudden, we became home run hitters. Why? Well, because ESPN shows home run hitting. And I think we saw in hockey, too, all due respect to Don Cherry, but those Rock'em Sock'em videos yep. for a while there Agreed. led to some wild hits and things Agreed. like that. You know, so there's somewhat of a history of, of impact coming from different things, you yep. know, different outlets. And, and again, I don't know about the marijuana. I think the marijuana is a sponsorship play. I, I don't know how much that impacts grassroots unless maybe it, there's a funding component to grassroots because, you know, we all know everybody, everybody needs help. Everybody runs a tournament or yep. fundraiser. Maybe it's there. But the gambling and, and what it, how it shapes sport, mm-hmm. I think that could have the most profound effect on grassroots well. in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, and and yeah, and we're we're playing a game where we're guessing and well, we're that's anticipating. That's why we do the podcast. <laughs> but we guessed right on these two, perhaps. <laughs> right, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. Um, I don't know how gambling and marijuana will have a long term impact on sport. I I'm trying to think of how it'll have a positive long term impact. Um, and for the life of me, I the only benefit I see, and I, I'm thinking specifically of grassroots sport. Uh, for the life of me, the only potential positive benefit that I can think about is just an increased interest in sport, period. Right. And therefore, more people will be active and will engage in it. Uh, will they be doing it for the wrong reasons? I don't know. Um, but I, I have a hard time thinking of kind of good, like positive, I guess, increased funding See, I, um, to I, run the programs. Yeah, that, that's the one I look at is, is because both have the benefit of being a boon to the industry that way. But I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying about gambling and, and making more sports fans. You know, history has been... I, my first year in organized hockey was the first year you had to wear a mask. Hmm. And I'll never forget my dad looking at it going, well, they're just turning you into a blank. <laughs> right? And I... You know, change is always... Very yeah. rarely do we look at change and go... That's great. Right. You know. Inertia and momentum being what it is. We tend not to. Having said that, you strike a a chord with me when you say, you know, maybe sports gambling leads to more sports fandom. I almost think the dwindling sports, professional sports Mm. fandom, and kind of, you know, getting those eyeballs, I think has led to this. That I think, you know, this is kind of the break glass option. You know, for all these years, hey, we're sports. Everybody loves sports. Right. We don't love sports anymore. Some do. Yeah. Some love esports. Some love celebrities. Some love this. We just don't have that innate. Well, we gotta love sports, and I think it's led to this with the proliferation of other options by which to Absolutely. keep us entertained and, and interested. Abs- sport Absolutely. has okay. So you're suggesting that sport has had to make this choice in order I, to stay relevant. I, I, <laughs> I, Your Honor, I present the, the, the evidence <laughs> to you and await your judgment. But I, I, I really do. I mean. <laughs> You know, I, my previous life, I, I was always looking at numbers, and some of the numbers were just staggering about, you know, how young people saw themselves as sports fans and yeah. how, how much it had dropped off the face of the earth. Are, are, I, I don't know, does a young person grow up looking at a hockey player and go, he's my hero? Or do they look at him and go, wow, that's, that's kind of the job I'd like to have. That's what I'd like to become, you know? There was almost, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali was almost a superhero. He was larger than life. And I, I don't know if we look at sports that way. And I, and I wonder if 
you know, the NFL got it right with fantasy football. They saw some dwindling numbers in yeah. fantasy football. The biggest impact fantasy football had was bringing female eyeballs to that game, hmm. predominantly female eyeballs. And that's I sit and listen to the young people in my office talk, and it doesn't matter the gender, doesn't matter mm-hmm. the race. There's a lot of them that are involved in fantasy mm-hmm. football. And I wonder if the greater vision of this was, well, right. better the devil you know. Expand, expand the market uh, by which to sell our product right. to. And with the increasing number of competitors, I, there was just an article I saw about Halifax uh, potentially getting a CFL team. Potentially, I think they've just signed a national lacrosse team, and yes. I think they could potentially have a pro soccer team. Yes. And so, how do those three sport franchises basically all starting? Well, I guess the football team hasn't been uh, they haven't created a stadium, but it's coming. Um, but in a relatively small marketplace, how do they compete with one another? And then then the Mooseheads, they're already. So do they have to go to gambling uh, to to get people to to pay attention to them? I'll go you one city bigger, and that's Winnipeg. You look at what the potential there in Winnipeg is. NHL, they have an American League. They could have a major junior team. They want a major junior team. They've got a very successful baseball team. They're going to have a soccer team. That's five franchises and i go back to the sponsorship dollars there's not enough yeah. it has to come from somewhere else yeah. now you're intro- again we have to remind ourselves the sports gambling is the united states yeah. at this point but you know more and more of those entities will mm-hmm. creep across the border and that's i keep coming back to i think the biggest impact in 2019 through 2025 might be their sponsorship dollars going back into mm. sport uh, maybe so maybe alberta becomes the uh the bellwether in in, in, allow, in encouraging more on the gambling side of things and, and you know, upping their game. Not to get political, but does anybody that. listen to Alberta anymore across the country? <laughs> I don't know. Instead of a sales tax, that's, how they'll, <laughs> that's what we'll do instead. Well, uh, we'll increase the gambling side of things. Is it? It bothers me a bit that we're having this conversation. Just a little bit. Just a tiny bit it bothers me we're having well, this conversation. Well, and, and I think, I, so I think both for you and I, we're of the same generation where we grew up I think you were you were making reference to deifying athletes and and looking at them as superheroes and and to me that's that's kind of how I grew up too you know growing up in southern ontario and going to the buffalo sabers games and yeah. the, you know the french connection and I remember you know king kong jerry korab was my favorite defenseman yep. um and I really by the way great nickname those are the kind <laughs> of nicknames we need back but but I don't I don't see my own sons looking at sport that way and i and it saddens me in some respect because i but but, but maybe every generation's like that and they look back at their own upbringing as the golden era um and but so I, maybe 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 we're we're dating ourselves but that's why that's why a bit of it i don't like because i know the golden era part i get i get oh bobby orr is better than gretzky and mcdavid right. is better than you know i get that argument i have no problem with that but what is sports role in society and the more and more we, we move forward, the less and less it becomes altruistic. The less and less it becomes about, you know, just be a good person, you know. <laughs> and look, yeah. I am not naive. I mean, we know that a lot of these guys, you know, while they were put on pedestals, had their own problems, but they didn't have social media and they didn't have 24 coverage. Right, right. There, there was this sense of wrong and right. There was this kind of this romantic 
1950s Western good versus evil or, component yeah. to sport. Or at least that's that's how the media presented it right, anyways. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, yeah. and in your little home watching the black and white hockey night in Canada, <laughs> that's the way it was, yeah. right? But we're not that group anymore. We're not that society. No. We, we've lost that naivety. Yeah, that, that sense of innocence, I, I think, is lost. Um, Can it, I come back? I'd like it to come back. <laughs> well, again, are we dating ourselves? Are we, are, are, we, are we like, you know, when we thought of our parents as glorifying their, you know, their upbringing and their era, are, are we doing the same thing right now and wanting to return to a, a time and an era that we think is better? And maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah, uh, you know what? That's, that's a fair statement, I think, because we always look back at our youth and go, yeah. that was the greatest time. <laughs> but I look now... And I can't help. And you're an educator. You're a, you form young minds. You deal with them at, at probably their I'm most... I'm not a miracle worker, but I do. No. Yeah, I try. But, but, you know, sport, the essence of sport to me was always about resiliency. The essence of sport was mm. whether championships were great, but we all failed. Yeah. And if we learned from our failures and we learned to overcome that, we became, quote, air quotes now, good sports. Yeah. You know, and we learned these types of values. I look around, I don't see those values coming from other entities. And, I, and at times, I don't see them coming from sport either. And, you know, not, not to be, I'm not a religious person at all, but if we're not looking to religion for, you know, our kind of our character building and our teaching, hmm. and I thought sport always could provide that. If we don't have that, we don't have that, what do we have? Where are hmm. the youth of today? Hmm. We heard about lawnmower parents. We've heard about helicopter parents. and Fortnite. <laughs> but, are, but are they teaching you to be resilient are they teaching you to fail you know are they teaching you the character traits I always go back to one thing and I apologize because I'm very hockey centric but uh, what the beauty of hockey boils down to one thing when you step out on the ice for the first time on skates you do what we fall right what do you, and what do you do <laughs> you try to get back up right that, that to me that yeah. boils the essence of life down right there yeah. Yeah. and where else is that coming from and to me, I guess I'm very overprotective of sports' role in that and worry that it's going away. So mm. when I see gambling and I see, right. I'm not, you know, Mark Messier is a great leader. No, no, Mark Messier pushes possession and, you know, his shot ratio and that. Yeah. I don't, is that good? Is that bad? That's my little beef with this. Right. So instead of seeing articles on the great captains as leaders, we're seeing articles on, uh, the shots on goal in the second period between the 10 and the 15 minute mark. Right. Right. And that becomes our focus and that becomes our level of interest. Right. And disinterested in the, the speech in the locker room. Right. Don't tell me about the speech in the locker room. Right. I don't care. Show me where the speech. Like I think back to th- those great oiler teams. Do people remember who the captain <laughs> was when they first started? It was Lee Fogelin. Right. You know, I think of guys like Kenny Houston here in Calgary. Yeah. The leaders of teams are no... Now there seems to be this... You have to be the best player component to be right, a leader. Right, And I, I wonder if, you know, the young guys who are working on Sports Talk Radio now, if you could make a case for a fourth liner or a third-pairing defenseman to wear a letter in the NHL anymore. You know, those are the conversations you and mm-hmm, I would have now. Mm-hmm. But, well, you can't have a guy that only plays 10 minutes a night being your captain. Because right? statistically, they're not... Right? Yeah, they're not there. Hmm. David, <laughs> I think we solved nothing. We went through all of 2018 and we solved nothing. What are you looking forward to in 2019? Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
Oh, you've stumped me, Rob. Okay, I, I'm at I'll a loss. I'll buy you some time. <laughs> Virtual reality. I'm not sure if you've... I brought this one up before. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen the ads that the NBA is running right now. I and have they were, they were golden to their, their word. So they're running, uh, I think Oculus is the okay. uh, virtual reality platform where you and I can sit and watch a basketball game together even though you're right. in Halifax and I'm here in Calgary and I can turn and talk to you and you can turn and talk to me and we're watching the same oh, game. My the NBA talked about this two years ago and it's now becoming reality. Just like 3D viewing <laughs> television, virtual reality is the next big thing, and that's what I'm watching in 2019. And if that's the case, oh, well, okay, so Calgary's in the midst of talking about building a new arena. Is that, like, is that a, a silly choice? In the same way that somebody said to me that Calgary building a ring road, it's going to get finished just in time for the autonomous cars to really come onto the marketplace, and we won't need a ring road anymore. Um, well, the same well, thing. Where the heck are the autonomous cars going to drive? Well, they, but they, because they can drive so much closer to one another on the existing road infrastructure that a, a speedway going around the city is not necessary. Uh, well, I'm pretty comfortable with the <laughs> ring road. I got to tell you. <laughs> but so coming back to the arena yeah. debate, if you know, if if that's if that's the reality, yeah. and I don't have to come to a rink, yeah. and I can buy my ticket to watch a game sitting on my couch, mm-hmm. do we need a rink? Yes, you do. Still need. Yeah, wow. Anyways, listen. That's so, we got all I, 2019 yeah, to figure that one I out. Don't I'm not going to figure that one out now. I don't think there's going to be an end of uh, topics from which we can banter and, and solve nothing. Thank you for 2018. I look forward to 2019. It's been fun, Dave, as always. Thank you. Merry Christmas to uh, you. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And again, we've solved nothing. <laughs>